This is Fearless Beauties, a podcast dedicated to elevating voices of color in the beauty industry. We're talking to estheticians, skincare specialists, and business owners to uncover best skincare practices, tactical career tips, and ultimately, how we can create a better beauty industry together. I'm your host, Mary Nielsen. Today, we're excited to be chatting about gender bias, part two. If you haven't listened to part one, check out our episode called It's a Woman's World. We broke down how gender bias operates in the beauty industry, and we talked to some incredible Estes about their experience. But we wanted to keep going and dive a little bit deeper. It's one thing to understand how gender bias operates in our industry, but what can we do to counteract it? Well, I spoke to Richard Merrill, the founder of Richard Merrill Consulting, about his experiences with gender bias, and he gave some great insights on this. So as a male practitioner, I have been through my own walk with that. As I kind of mentioned earlier, I really tried to stay away from being the quote unquote stereotypical gay boy because I grew up in an area where it was a problem. It was a small town mindset. And I grew up with a father who was not open to the idea. So I see gender bias from two different angles. I see it from my own experience. And then I see it from the conversations I have with other male practitioners that are out there trying to get a job. Men in this industry kind of get forced into being independent business owners. We get pushed into it because when we go to the interview, it is assumed, it is not fact, it is assumed that we can't do Brazilians, that we won't be able to build a clientele doing personal care services that are intimate. And I will tell you right out of school, in my first location, I was on 3rd Street between the Grove and the Beverly Center in Beverly Hills, California, during the height of that area. And I did more Brazilians than I did facials. (laughs) Um, I personally took them off my menu because waxing was not my, my passion spot. Yeah, money was great, but passion was not there. But it really was a kind of an eye-opening moment for me because I said, wait, I was told I couldn't get a job at XYZ Spa because I wasn't going to ever be able to build this clientele. And without trying, without wanting to, I built a clientele there. Um, and I had to say, no, this isn't what I want to do and, and take it off my menu. And I think that's so common an experience for men, again, across the country. It's not specific to any area is there's just this belief system that if you're a man, you can't perform whatever, therefore your ability to to pay yourself through your labor in an employee situation isn't there. And I have to always challenge people's thought process with that now, because my thing is, is there are male gynecologists. If there can be successful male gynecologists, why couldn't there and why wouldn't there be successful male spa professionals. Um, And in my conversations with my clients and the people through my gears, a lot of my my female clients felt more comfortable coming to me because I was a gay male than going to another woman or to a heterosexual male. And I mean, we all have our preferences. At the end of the day, preferences exist. But when you build a business, you find your tribe and your tribe finds you. And if we're not providing as business owners, if we're not providing professionals who went through the same education you did, 
the opportunity to build their careers, we're doing our industry a disservice. And it is discrimination. At the end of the day, it is actual EEOC discrimination to not hire me because I am a male. But it happens every day in every state. I get more messages about that from my male clients than any other thing. And then they all end up going into their own businesses and doing really well. But we have to have this conversation and we have to get very clear about the fact that it is illegal to not hire somebody because of their gender. That's step one. And step two, there's nothing holding you back but your beliefs. Richard mentioned that due to gender bias in the beauty industry, it's assumed that males can't do certain tasks like Brazilian waxes. And I think that's really interesting to think about whether this is equivalent to the bias that women face traditionally in male industries like construction. I think construction's not necessarily a personal service, so it's not really comparing apples to apples. But what are your thoughts, Taylor? Well, I believe it all stems from gender roles. And that's like I mentioned in part one. There are just certain behaviors and careers society assigns to both males and females. And it originates from childhood. So for careers, think about it. A little girl wants to be a princess, a veterinarian, a movie star, or a singer. And a little boy wants to be a firefighter, an athlete, or a construction worker. And I don't know if these are all solid examples, but if a little girl were to say that she wants to be a firefighter or a little boy say he wants to be a singer, it would be a little peculiar to hear. So because the characteristics of those careers are not norms society has placed on them. So for Richard and other male Estes, people automatically think that they don't know how to do Brazilians or facials because it's what females do, right? It's hard for people to change their views towards something they've been taught all their lives. But just because something seems abnormal doesn't make it wrong. Yeah, I really like the way that you explain this. I do think that male estheticians have to work harder to show that they have skills and they can build a really successful practice. There's this bias because aesthetics provides really kind of touchy-feely intimate services and men are too macho or they're not in touch with their nurturing side in order to compete. We talked about this in the other episode. I think if we push for more equality, like we've seen the medical community shifting from only male physicians and female nurses, I think that we'll see a, a mix of both genders in both professions. Yeah, we really have to kill these stereotypes. Well, what do you think male estheticians can do to show their worth as estheticians? I think about what I've seen in women who have to show their worth in male-dominated industries. What do they do? They show up and they show out. They are loud and they make it known that they know just as much or more than their male counterparts. They do what they need to do to stand out. So men must do the same. Don't allow society to place you in a bubble for others to tell you, oh, you aren't what they're looking for, or I wasn't expecting someone like you. Get the education needed and show up time and time again until someone gets it. Challenge those who stereotype you. So Richard makes the comment that there are successful male gynecologists. Why do you believe the medical industry is open to male practitioners? What can the beauty industry learn from these medical professionals. Well, I think Richard had some interesting points about this that would help educate clientele. Great. Let's hear it. Right now, where we are in our history right now, 
we're challenging everything. We don't yes. need another thing to challenge, but we do. Growth happens when people stand up and challenge it. And I was actually really excited when you asked me to be part of this conversation because at the end of the day, everyone deserves the opportunity to succeed. And outside of myself, nobody has the right to tell me whether or not I'm going to succeed. But I should be equally afforded the opportunity to and until we get to a space where we are equally affording everyone the right and the opportunity to succeed, we are holding ourselves back. Yeah, I think we hold ourselves back as an entire industry. You know, I've talked about, I remember when men were not in nursing, right? And we called him, oh, he's a male nurse. Now, mm-hmm. men are just nurses. They're in the medical industry. Not everyone's a doctor. You don't always assume, or at least I don't always assume that my nurse is going to be a female. When we mm-hmm. move into an industry where I feel like the industry will get elevated so that it is just normal that mm-hmm. skincare professionals will be male or female. It won't necessarily have to be a dominant one or the other career. And I think it's important too to realize that there's a lot of concern around really, again, All of our concerns are around providing that client experience and ensuring that that client has such a good experience that they want to come back and that they want to tell friends. And when I was working with a booker who booked me out for celebrity clientele, I had a call that came through. She had said, hey, do you want to do this at this time? And I said, yeah, I got everything prepared and got to that person's house. I can't say who it was, but got to that person's house. And that person turned me around and said, I'm sorry, I'll have to reschedule because it was a male that showed up at their house and they weren't informed. And I truly believe had that client have been informed of who I was, what I was, the fear that comes up in us when something feels different or not normal that that fear can only be preemptively striped. You, I can't do anything about it once I'm at your door and you're, you're now yeah. in that feeling. So something that I learned through that experience, and it happened twice, it happened with a male client and with a female client. And both are huge people in the industry, um, in the entertainment industry. But it made me realize, you know, because it came one from a male and one from a female. If we don't preemptively have that conversation, if we give the client the opportunity to choose and then we explain just like you would the features and benefits of anything else, you know, hey, this is an award-winning licensed esthetician. Yes, it's a male practitioner, but he's great. And da, 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 da. that client would have been able to feel like they were given the choice to choose, but because they weren't given that choice to choose, it was an automatic no and the door was closed and there was nothing to fix it at that point. And I think that comes back to that conversation of a consultation. You know, we really have to, we have to remember that, yes, there's going to be discomforts and some of these things are going to require some shifting. But if you give people the information to make the best decision, you'll always win. Richard mentioned that the first thing we need to do to start changing the industry is challenging the current way of thinking. How can estheticians start doing that? 
Well, I think Richard's viewpoint that the way to change the industry is challenging the current way of thinking, that puts the burden back on estheticians to be proactive in changing their careers. It really dials it down and takes it to an individual level by demanding that estheticians reevaluate their own philosophies and value systems. It takes it kind of away from corporations need to change or schools need to change, and it dials it in and gives the esthetician power to change the industry. Yes, Mary, I love that. That was really well said. And I think it's taking the initiative to do what is right and break the status quo. So Mary, what starts to shift when we start challenging these norms? I think if we start to individually take an introspective look at our values and question you know, whether they're true, we will find other like-minded people who are going to share that same new perspective. And then we begin to slowly shift in industry. When I think about that shift, it makes me think about how the public perception has shifted towards legalizing marijuana. I mean, it opens up new opportunities for industry as well as personal growth and a clearer personal identity of who you are as a person. So you're able to clearly know within yourself, I believe in equality and diversity and all that entails. I'm looking forward to hearing your perspective, Taylor, because you got that psychology background. I think when anything or anyone is challenged, it puts pressure on norms or those who believe in these norms to change or probably take a good look at themselves or their belief system. What's driving these norms? What's driving their belief system? When you think about social norms, they are unwritten rules of what is and isn't acceptable. So when a norm is built around who should and should not do something, our mindsets and competitive and rebellious nature starts to kick in and say, who said I couldn't do something or who said I can't be this? So for instance, who said men can't be estheticians? Who said women can't be CEOs of Fortune 500 companies? When they when there are a bunch of people challenging norms, especially with gender bias, since this is the topic today, society starts to shift from being set in their ways to branching out in a world full of endless possibilities. And it gives those who are socially tied down to these norms opportunities for success. So how do you think the beauty industry is losing out by not providing these equal opportunities for both genders? Well, I think the biggest, you know, miss out, the biggest missing out is the clients. They're missing out on services and expertise when there isn't a climate, uh, this climate of equality. You know, young estheticians miss out on mentoring opportunities. Women in general miss out on gaining the wisdom that comes from working in a mixed gender environment and a mix of perspectives. And it just continues to perpetuate the gender bias myths of men being big and tough and women being the weaker sex. Yeah, definitely. Um, I have watched a lot of men in the makeup arena of the beauty industry. So I've seen many male makeup artists over the years, and I think it's amazing to see. So for other men who aspire to work in the makeup industry, they have that sort of indirect mentorship, and it helps them build the courage to do the same for generations to come. So what are your thoughts on Richard's story with his celebrity clients? Ugh, you know, my heart really went out to Richard with his celebrity clients because I could imagine, you know, myself, the excitement 
inside of knowing that you have been chosen or selected as good enough to treat a celebrity and then mentally preparing about how are you going to manage the appointment and not seem starstruck. Yeah. And it sucks that Richard has to say, I'm a male practitioner, but he's great. There shouldn't be a but. And that's what we have to normalize. Male SDs doing just as good as female SDs. There is always some hesitation with change. So I understand that celebrity clients being put off, but until it's normalized as an industry, we have to help put male Estes on the map and vouch for their greatness. Yeah, I think Richard's observation that the appointment could have ended differently if the client had been informed at the time they were scheduling rather than being blindsided when Richard showed up at their door. I think his career could have had a completely different trajectory. But clients who've made that choice to have a skincare treatment and are going to entrust you with caring for them, they need to have that control about who's going to care for them. Agreed. We must understand that seeing male estheticians is still not normal, unfortunately. So we have to give clients that heads up and make sure they are comfortable. I remember about maybe three years ago, I went in for a massage. And when I arrived, they said, oh, your masseuse is a male, if that's okay with you. He does a great job and he'll take great care of you. So not going to lie, there was some hesitation, but I said, oh, it's fine. It's okay. And that is still one of the best massages I have ever received. So I say that to say this, it takes the whole beauty industry, not just male Estes, to normalize men in the beauty industry. So if that female receptionist, if she didn't hype him up, I don't know if I would have felt comfortable. So we all have to come together to make the industry more gender fluent. In our initial episode about gender bias, It's a Woman's World, we spoke to Ralph Cole about what he's experienced as a male esthetician. A lot of times there are a lot of women or female and male, you know, separation because there's less of an understanding of each other. You know, I can see that I can be really the bridge to that and be able to, you know, open myself up to maybe go start, especially when I get to North Carolina, you know, maybe start going to, you know, these women empowerment uh, ceremonies or, you know, some of these brunches and everything. And maybe just, you know, be the voice for men that say, hey, like, we're, we're not y'all enemy. We care about y'all as much as y'all care about yourself. And not only that, there are a lot of uh, women that are or that have been in terrible situations with men. And I totally understand that. And, and vice versa, you know, as far as men dealing with women, I do also kind of see how there have been a lot of women that, you know, is excited the fact that, you know, I'm a male coming into this industry. And even for the men that is in the industry that I've connected with on social media, man, like it's, it's like a huge thing because they're like, oh man, like I'm, I'm so excited to see another male in this industry. You know, we need more representation. So I feel like it's really a win-win situation. In the beginning, we heard this in the initial episode about gender bias, but I think it's worth repeating. It's never been more important to build bridges between men and women. I think that Ralph really has that heart to build those relationships between men and women. Aesthetics, because it's mostly a female industry, and a lot of the skincare professionals are single moms, and they've chosen this field because they want the independence to balance their work life and their home life. 
And then as single moms, they may have some trust issues with men. But Ralph has a personal value system that includes wanting to be a healer. And that includes helping to heal the wounds that some women carry due to the fractured relationships they have with men. And I love how Ralph is not afraid to speak out about that. Speak out about the fact that women may be hesitant working alongside a male esthetician because of an abusive past, because that is real stuff and it shouldn't be taken lightly. Ralph seems to really be woke about how a male energy can disrupt a woman's space. And he is saying, I want to be the opposite of that. I want to heal those wounds and come together and thrive together. And you know how we say women supporting women or women empowering women? Now it's men supporting women or men empowering women. He's taking that initiative. And with that, more and more women are going to be inspired by his love and respect and want to support him and also other men in the industry. I think female estheticians can work to become more open-minded and create relationships that are sexism-free and more accepting. I think having that attitude can really build their professional network as well as really helping our entire culture evolve into a more equitable world. Definitely. So when I think about how female estheticians can build stronger bridges to their male colleagues, I was thinking about it starts with their mindset. It's also about communication. So we know that men and women communicate differently, where men tend to communicate competitively while women communicate supportively. So to bridge that communication gap, it's best for women to approach with a helping hand and for men to reciprocate with a thank you and some vulnerability and understand it's not about a power play, but becoming allies to help the industry. Lastly, just becoming more understanding of one another and also about gender biases promotes more empathy. Try to build an inclusive environment so both men and women feel valued. Stand up, address bias when you see it. I think Ralph's idea about being proactive and reaching out to women's groups, bringing his philosophy and really showcasing his skills is a smart move because it puts him up front and center. Here I am. And then the consumer is really more aware of who they're getting as a practitioner. Yeah. Blindsiding is never the way to go, especially as I said earlier, it is more common to receive aesthetic treatments from a female. So just a quick heads up, a thorough consultation, that should all start putting things at ease and slowly normalizing men in the industry. So one thing Ralph mentioned that we didn't hear in our last episode is that he's noticed women are excited about men coming into the beauty industry. Mary, what's your take on that? Well, I know at the school, we have about a 5% male population as students. And so some of the reasons men don't move into the industry is they have a fear of not making enough money and because gender stereotypes dictate that man is the breadwinner. But if you are a savvy business person, you can have a very lucrative career in aesthetics. I think there's a stereotype that's slowly being broken, and that's that men in the beauty industry are gay. And why does that matter? Or does it matter? Really? No, it doesn't matter. For the male population, it's been about 50-50. So some of our men's students, they've just had a job shift where they've been working in a high stress corporate environment and they've been downsized and they just decide to go for it. And they just move in a completely different direction that's more nurturing. So they have actually graduated and gone on, opened their own businesses that have been very successful. 
In fact, I contacted one Latino graduate to ask if he would like to be on the program to discuss gender bias, and he declined. He said he's been so successful, he doesn't feel like he's faced any gender bias. Well, I think that's great, first of all. But to go back to what you said just a few seconds ago about stereotypes, no, being a gay man in the beauty industry does not matter. I've also heard some people say, especially with makeup artists, oh, he's gay. Okay. So yeah, he must know what he's doing. Does him being gay matter? No, it does not. I mean, I'm sure there are heterosexual males who are makeup artists out there. But even if it isn't common, I think this is a stereotype that gay men do better in female-dominated industries. It puts a barrier in between what is socially allowed. Like, okay, great, a female SD. Oh, a male. Okay, yeah, he's clearly gay, so he should be okay. But, oh, a straight male? Do you know what you're doing? And this may not be the case for every situation. I'm sure there are some gay males who get stereotyped, but all in all, the gender bias is real out there. So Ralph and Richard both mentioned that male estheticians entering the beauty industry levels the playing field. For clients who may need to feel more comfortable receiving services, like trans clients, for example, could having a more equal representation of estheticians create more inclusivity? Well, we chatted with Aja Wilson, the esthetician at Code Salon in the Bay Area of San Francisco, about her perspective on this. Someone being trans does not mean that they don't want these services too. You know, it ultimately just means that, well, then we need to make sure that these people have access to come in to our spaces and have these services as well. And so our spaces need to be safe and inviting spaces for everyone across the board. You know, that's something too that I, I wanted to mention about where I'm currently working. So something that really helped kind of sell me on, okay, this is the place for me to start my career is that everyone there, our owners included, have similar, you know, ideals and passions and just overall values in relation to human connection. And so Code Salon actually has a bit of a partnership with a nonprofit uh, called the Transgender Law Center. And so they do events together, which essentially are fundraisers um, to help raise money that ultimately, you know, is helping serve the trans community. And that alone, and the fact that we do, you know, have some clients that come in that are trans or identify under the trans umbrella, myself as an employee there, you know, the fact that I am able to go to work somewhere every day where people are creating this space and like to see that and know eventually I want to be able to create a space like this is beautiful. I don't even know <laughs> what else to call it. It's, it's absolutely amazing. It's inspiring. I think Aja Salon Code is stepping into new territory by embracing everyone. Trans people are so misunderstood, poorly characterized and represented, and by codes creating a space where they're respected and safe, it turns the light on for others to follow. Yes, I just love how Aja mentioned a safe space because that is so important. Trans men and women are forever being stigmatized. 
they're being discriminated against, bullied, abused. So providing that space where they can get pampered and also have a conversation with others who respect and or align with their gender identity, because we all know that Estes are therapists too, that is incredible. So I love what Asha is doing. Well, I think salons can learn that uh, trans people are people first and they have disposable income to spend. And for estheticians who go into the industry finding satisfaction and helping people, helping a trans person become more of who they are, it can be some of the more rewarding parts of the work that we do. So, you know, scrolling through Instagram, I do not see a lot of info on how to treat transgender skin or spas creating spaces for trans men and women. And I think it is because they don't know enough. So just to plug Fearless Beauties in here real quick, Although this is our podcast, I feel like we don't mention or market our services enough. If you are an Esty looking to build your transgender client base and you do not know where or how to get the necessary education to treat their skin, we have a whole chapter in our book dedicated to treating transgender skin with confidence, down to how to address them with their pronouns, what questions to ask in a consultation, common diseases and disorders to the best aesthetic treatments to perform on their skin. And we have also recently launched our virtual certification course in correlation with our book to both teach you and test your knowledge on how to treat not only trans skin, but all skin of color and hopefully help and encourage you to increase your client base in order to provide more safe spaces for trans people and also people of color. So what are your key takeaways from today's episode, Mary? Well, my key takeaways from this episode are that gender bias exists in our culture, but the beauty industry is slowly changing the norm. And we have some industry leaders that are rising up and bringing that message. People like Richard Merrill and Ralph Cole and Aja Wilson, they're using their voices and they're building influence that's creating that culture shift and it's long overdue. 100%. I would say my key takeaway is the importance of building allies with men in the beauty industry. In order to trash these gender biases and break these stereotypical barriers, we must support and stand up for equality and inclusivity. This coming together will hopefully one day reach financial, engineering, and other male-dominated fields where women have to constantly remind others of their worth. It's about fearlessly doing what you love, despite what society has to say about it. Thank you for listening to Fearless Beauties, a show dedicated to elevating voices of color in the beauty industry. I'm your host, Mary Nielsen. And I'm your other host, Taylor Phillip. Until next time, keep educating yourself. Remember to stay open and be fearless in the pursuit of creating a better, more inclusive world. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. Special thanks to my co-host Taylor and our producers at Quill Inc.